Welcome, adventurers. This is MuseCast 14, your podcast for everything roleplay in the world of Eorzea. I'm your co-host, Remix Sakura. And I'm your co-host, Demi. And today we're talking about a pretty important issue that affects all role players and something that we think about a lot in this day and age, privacy. It's the internet, people. Wherever you go, it's something you have to wrangle with, even if you don't think you have to. Indeed. A lot of controversy has been caused by, for example, applications taking private information, using it, selling it to other people. But even in Final Fantasy XIV, some information that isn't necessarily about you yourself, but perhaps about your characters, still is at risk of getting out. And that's just a matter of interacting with other people. So today we'd like to talk about some perhaps common courtesy measures that you can use to help make sure that you're considerate when you're role-playing with others in a privacy sense. Yeah. It may seem a little exaggerated to say that privacy is as important in game as it is in real life. So even though things like RP interactions, character stories, monologues, these things aren't as sensitive as your IRL personal information. But even if it's a fictional universe, having your privacy violated can still hurt. And FF14 roleplay is interesting because it's such a mix of in-game and out-of-game and different chat functions tell, say, shout, yell, and there's events and there's houses. There's message boards and there's discords and there's private messages and there's public messages. So depending on the medium, people do have an automatic level of privacy. For example, if you're in a Discord server, you would assume that your messages are limited to people of that Discord server. In a private message, in a tell, of course, the assumption is this is between two people. But of course, anything between two people is by nature not exactly private because you never know what the other person's going to do. And the same thing goes for any other method of RP. For example, if you send a tell to somebody else, you may assume, oh, it's between two people. But the fact of the matter is, one person, both of you, may want to share it or may not want to. And so it's very important that you figure out and are able to establish, you know, what do you want to keep private and what don't you? It's very true. And I think that the fragmentation that I mentioned, the fact that RP takes place in so many places, can sometimes affect the perception of what's shareable. For example... If someone's role-playing in game and they chiefly role-playing game, they may not be aware that the other person's got an in-character Tumblr. So they don't realize that the other person's sharing their interactions on that Tumblr. They don't even know about it. Someone who's on Highland Roleplayers and not Discord may assume that, oh, this is limited to, you know, this private forum when it's getting spread all around Discord for whatever reason. Even if the other person doesn't know about it, put simply, I don't think that's a cool thing to do. If it's not established beforehand that it's okay to post somewhere else, then, you know, it's it's just best not to. But nonetheless, it does still happen. Yeah, it's just too easy to take a screenshot in-game or of a Discord message or even a video or to copy a chat log. It's the internet. Like I said, it's just too easy. And, you know, there is sort of a distinction, again, between in-real-life, you know, in-character and out-of-character interactions. I see a lot of people post things about bad experiences in Duty Finder, where they'll blur out the names. Or sometimes they'll say, am I in the wrong for doing this, and post a chat log. For now at least, though, we'd like to talk about the in-character side of things. 
just pertaining to what happens within your roleplay interactions at the very least. Not necessarily a matter of out-of-character integrity, so much as in-character events and what happens within them. Yeah, I agree. And this could affect roleplay between two people, roleplay in a group, roleplay at a public event, anything. If everybody present doesn't know what the deal is, you're always at that slight risk of somebody doing you a dirty and just not listening to courtesy. The courtesy being, hey, just ask before sharing. It really is that simple. Now, you might think that this only would apply to an individual level, but of course there are publications and content creators, like ourselves even, who try to do things for the role players and role-playing community of FF14. And when you have so many people working together to try and make things come together, it's even more important that you try and pay attention to the privacy wishes of other people. For example, there was a newspaper that now unfortunately is defunct on Baomeng that had many, many staff members, much more than just the two of us co-hosts here, who all tried to contribute to the Baomeng roleplay community by creating a newsletter that documented everything that went on in the different events that would happen on Baomeng. They would talk about all the plot lines that were going on in these public events, and the goal ultimately was to effectively create this one big Baomeng roleplay universe. All the plot lines from these events would sort of intermingle in this one document where everybody was reporting on what was going on. And so people would know what was going on with the events. It would promote the events as well and really add more story to the game than Square Enix ever could just because of the number of people and the number of plot lines going on simultaneously within this one newspaper. Yeah, and it published, I think, weekly, which is crazy. But there's so much going on, you need to publish weekly, I feel like. Oh, absolutely. And that's a really awesome goal, to feel like you can take such a big roleplay community and try to unify it and try to make the experience richer for everybody. That sounds, in theory, so awesome. And I think it was for a long time, for as long as it existed. But an organization like that is made up of also individuals. And the editors are going to say one thing, and the reporters are going to say they're going to do one thing, but the actions of one person could still reflect badly on the rest of the publication. Now, I do not know exactly what happened. I wasn't around for this. So... I just want to make it clear where we're not making accusations or supporting accusations. And like, we're, we're going to stay far away from that drama that we weren't involved in in the first place. Accusations did happen against this publication that some reporters weren't always respecting people's privacy as to what events should be considered public and what events should not be considered public. Or maybe the staff just one time made a mistake and had to go correct it. They had to actually rescind something, as far as I understand that shouldn't have been published. So the intentions are good, but maybe, you know, everybody makes mistakes and what's out there, it's out there. Now, this is just my theory, but I think it contributed to a feeling of being watched. The fact that there were reporters going around, that's a feeling that I can't imagine having, that there would be any chance that anything I said at an event or anything would be published. But you had to make the assumption that if you were at a public event, you know, it would be reported on. And if someone was there, hopefully you knew that a reporter was there. Just like just like in real life, you go to an event, they have to put up a sign, you're being filmed. You have to know when you're being watched. 
And if you're a watcher, then that just puts responsibility on you to make sure that people know, hey, I'd like to do this, and clear it with the event organizers beforehand, just to make sure that, yes, it'll be okay, and everybody will be aware. Because everybody has that feeling that some things they want shared and some things they don't. Just like in real life, whether it's something silly your character did, something where you just kind of go off the rails, you don't want it on the record. Sometimes you just want to bullshit. Sometimes you don't want something to become quote unquote canon. Sometimes also you don't want something to be public in character knowledge. Like, for example, when in one of the discords I'm in, there's a channel for people posting monologues that their characters do, like little short stories. And they're really nice, but they have to stipulate that because you as a player as a role player, have read this story doesn't mean your character knows this information. So keep that in mind that this is out of character knowledge. And it's really nice to read, but you have to remember and keep track of that line. And it's something I have to do too. I have to realize that I know more than my character knows, if that makes sense. And imagine being an event organizer, having to straddle with this issue. A reporter comes to you and says, hey, I'd like to cover your event. You have the responsibility of like sharing this with everybody, putting up that virtual sign. You're being filmed. It's true. And I know a lot of people are hesitant when it comes to having their events or their characters written about. In that case, I'd say it's completely okay to say no. But I wonder, could it be that perhaps a lot of the roleplay scene is so sharing shy? Has it been that people have you know, broken those rules in the past? Or could it be something else? Could it just be that the event, you know, might have people attending who just don't want to share things? Even the perception or the rumor that privacy is being violated can contribute to this feeling, even if it's not being violated. If there was a rumor to the effect, people feel like they have to watch their back. And that does, that does not sound like a fun way to roleplay. I agree. People should be able to roleplay what they would like, you know, within reason, of course. But also be secure in that whatever they are role-playing is going to be kept as confidential as they would like it to be. So let's say that you are somebody who does want to share information about role-play plot lines or events that are going on in public. So you've got the approval. What sort of tip can we give you to make sure that you can respect everybody's privacy? Generally speaking, of course. The short answer that I would give at least is... Just because your character sees something doesn't necessarily mean that it should be published. Sort of like something in real life. If you were to catch something that is meant to be a secret that obviously should be, you know, kept secret, don't report on it. It's, it's very simple. So let's go ahead and maybe we can give a sort of story, a, a sample situation, so to speak, of maybe things that people should report or would be able to report and things that really should be kept between the people who are involved in a, a roleplay thread or a plotline? Sure. Let's say that you're at a cabaret night that happens many times on Balmung every single week, and you could be a reporter in character working for a newsletter like this one that existed, or you could just be a person about town who kind of wants to share things, maybe on your Tumblr. You want to take something that's in-game and, and put it on Tumblr or Discord. Just for publicity's sake, for example to sort of promote the event, to highlight things that can go on and what other people can expect to find at events like these. Yeah, you might only be talking about what you did, but other people are sort of ancillary to it. And at a cabaret night, there's going to be drinking and there's going to be dancing and fighting and flirting and all the usual stuff. So let's tell a story where character A is a cabaret dancer 
Character B is a bartender, and character C is a reporter. The kind of things that character C could report on or share probably include character A gave a wonderful dance performance while wearing a lovely Thevnerian subligar. Ooh, saucy. Well, that's that's saucy, maybe, but it was on display for everybody to see. Right, it was a public performance that was held at the event, and character A just, you know, put on a big show. Everybody was absolutely dazzled. You could report on that because that's something that everybody had seen. Yeah, or the drink specials or how many fights broke out. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, all all the obvious stuff that was all done in front of everybody, in the public view. Now, say instead, character C you know, decides to wander around, snoop around the event, and ultimately comes out with this sort of article. Character B was seen going backstage after character A's performance, and then they were overheard flirting before leaving the club with the intention to go back to character B's apartment. Oh my gosh, what sort of a terrible person is character A? Now, first off, that is an insult toward character A, and I mean, maybe character C does have some sort of beef with character A, but... This backstage incident wasn't seen by everybody. It was really something only done between character A and character B. And even if you heard it in say chat or in party chat, it seems like that's something that really should best be left private. It wasn't something that was intended necessarily for all of the people in the event to see. Or maybe those people were under the assumption that it would be limited to the people in the event, not republished. You know, because there are always side conversations going on at an event, things outside the main hubbub, and people use say chat for that. But it's got a sort of ephemerality to it, that when the event is over, this stuff goes poof, that nobody's making a record of it, like an Instagram story. You don't want to have to roleplay under the assumption that somebody could be screenshotting or saving chat logs at any given time. Right. And even with, for example, the names blurred out, even with paraphrasing the entire incident, it's still sharing that part of somebody's character's personal plotline. And that may be something that many people aren't comfortable with. For sure. I imagine that when you have a realm-wide, server-wide publication and you're known to be a reporter, you know, character C is known to work for this publication, should their friends be on watch, their in-character friends, any time that they're hanging out with character C? chatting casually. The reporter isn't on duty, so should it be assumed that everything that they do with character C can be published potentially? That's not a fun way to be either. It seems like individual conversations, casual conversations, things that are not at a public event, that are not a public incident, are not public knowledge. Now, say for example, we'll, we'll add something to the previous story, right? Say that character C does overhear character B and character A leaving the club together. And character C really, 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 really wants to publish it and goes ahead and asks character A and character B, can I share this? I think it would be really, really cool to include in the plot line and to sort of spread this rumor around Olive or Zia. Are you okay with that? And both people say out of character, sure, that sounds like fun, I'll go ahead and do it. In that case, character C has done the right thing. Character C is discussing beforehand because maybe they aren't sure. If you are not sure, even with discussing the event in general, and really this is something that should be done before any event, just ask the organizer beforehand or ask the characters in question after the event takes place. 
obviously, if you are going to try and document an entire event beforehand is the best option. Because after the event takes place, it's as though everybody taking place didn't realize that it was a public event, that it was going to be recorded. So if you're planning on documenting an event, period, just go ahead and ask beforehand. Otherwise, you know, my, my opinion is don't document it at all. Um, but individual plot lines, maybe after the event takes place, but before the info goes live, so that way you aren't stuck redacting things and making sure that, you know, people can trust you. Really rebuilding that trust when privacy has been breached. Yeah, because once it's on the Internet, it's there forever. There's no taking it back when something has been Even shared. Even if you delete it. Yeah. Now, we've talked a lot about text documentation of events and sharing things in a newsletter or, you know, Discord, for example, that sort of format. But live streaming also has become an interesting venue, an interesting place to also share and publicize events. Now that presents even more uncertainty because now people can see the event going on in real time. And worldwide, potentially. And worldwide. Now if you're a follower of the MuseCast 14 Twitch channel, you may have occasionally seen us stream RP events on different servers that we hang out on. And this is something that I've wanted to do for a long time and something that I think is a great way to promote the event, to promote roleplay, to show people what roleplay really is. But I'm always discussing it with the event organizers way beforehand so that they can let people at the event know. Some people are really, really happy to get the promotion in the press. Some people just want to shy away from it. They want to play it safe. You're going to get all different reactions. And people have told me no sometimes. Some people are absolutely okay with streaming and think it's great because it gives their events exposure and people who haven't been to them can see how they work and if they think their character would fit in well or if they think that they would enjoy taking part in an event like that and visiting the event itself. On the other hand, though, people do occasionally think that live streaming an event is a breach of privacy. Honestly, in my opinion, I do wonder a little bit why. If it's a private event... That's one thing. If it's a private event and people aren't being invited to it, that's a little bit more understandable. What I'm a little bit confused about, and maybe you can help enlighten me on this, is what about public events where advertisements have already been sent out? Yeah, something that is essentially public to any character who wants to attend. The audience is already essentially server-wide. By streaming it, you just make that audience larger. Is it that people just don't want a larger audience? It's just I think that this medium is really new and that people haven't tried to do roleplay events before and there have been so many breaches of privacy and there's also been trolling. That is true. I've seen a good number of trolls come over to RP events on Gilgamesh, on Baomong, and even non-roleplay events where they've been advertised. This may just be a factor of really any sort of event where the larger an audience you have, the more likely you are to have trolls come in. If you try and limit as much as you can to a community of people who are more or less safe compared to the entire gaming population at large, that does help in some respect. So I guess in that sense, I can understand why people would be a little bit hesitant. I think the thing that makes RP event streams different is that in any other type of stream, it's assumed that the streamer will block out chat. If you are streaming a raid, it's assumed that you will always block out chat. Every streamer does it. 
so that the mm-hmm. people in the raid can just talk and bullshit however they want. Your private FC messages, your tells don't get published. But for an RP event, the text chat is everything. That's where the action is. You would just see nothing but random people emoting if you didn't have the text chat. When I stream it, I take my chat window, turn the font size way up so it's readable, and make it take up like half the screen because that is where all the action is and I want people to be able to read it. So that's a big difference. And even if you were in party chat, for example, with a streamer, everything you're going to say in party chat where once it was a sort of place where people could still chat between one another but keep it more or less private while still taking in an event atmosphere, if you're interacting with that person who's streaming in a party, that puts even the private conversation at a little bit of risk. Even if you wanted to involve that streaming character with your character. Yeah, there's also the fact that we like to do voice chat. I like to invite people that are attending the event or a friend of mine to come and do live commentary with me. I think that's a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. Now, imagine if you only did voice chat, though. Imagine if we got rid of all the text that was going on within the event and went to an only voice chat format. I think the good part about that would be that the only people who are talking are people who really want to be on there. The only people who are talking are people who are comfortable with talking and providing maybe commentary. But then on the other hand, all you'd have really is this secondary source of -of out-of-character commentary. It wouldn't necessarily be an in-character event at that point. So you'd be looking at things and watching and listening to people commenting about the things that are going on without knowing the details of what was going on in the roleplay event itself. Yeah, sort of like listening to sports on the radio instead of watching it. It feels like you're not getting all the information. So I can't help but feel that, at least with the way that Musecast streams, it would be very tough to only rely on secondhand commentary and get a full picture of what was going on with the event. I agree, too, and that's why I've done it the way I've done it. And I've always done it with the consent of the organizers who then pass that consent on to the attendees. And like I said, to us, it feels like we're just taking something that's public and making it slightly more public for a good cause. But nonetheless, some people feel like it's still ruining their experience, that they don't want to be at events like that, that they would rather not go to an event than go to a streamed event. And I can't argue with that because people have all their own preferences. So unfortunately for people who do want to stream, and it's very similar with what we've said about NPC role-playing, for example, sometimes people just aren't going to be comfortable with you coming in on that space. And if that's the case, all that we can do is is show that mutual respect and say, okay, I understand, and leave it at that, really. So long story short, what I think we're trying to say with all of this is there are a variety of viewpoints and perspectives that people have about roleplay and privacy. The best thing that we can do as roleplayers is, of course, to respect those boundaries and try and keep as much as we can private until told otherwise. But it's not wrong to ask whether or not things can be shared with others. What really matters is, of course, what we do with that information, with that permission or lack thereof. Streaming, for example, is something that's a little bit new, a little bit scary. And so people may be more hesitant toward that than text documentation. But regardless of what that is, the most important thing, as we'll iterate over and over again, is respect of other people, 
and in this case, respect of their privacy. Indeed. And we try to be as trustworthy as we possibly can and keep people's trust so that we can continue to stream RP events because we want to show the world what RP really is and RP events done right. We're essentially like the reporters in this case. So we're holding ourselves to the highest code of ethics and courtesy that we possibly can. Right. Especially because what we are talking about here with role play, regardless of whether it's us or whether it's another publication, is it's a social aspect of the game. A lot of it is just socializing with other people. And so we're expected to follow similar ways of conduct that we would expect in the real world. Indeed. It's all pretty much common sense when you think about it. Does that wrap it up? That wraps it up. <laughs> all right. Now that we talked about the serious business stuff, we can get into the fun part, our stories. Woohoo! So, every week, because we love playing this game so very much, we give an account of something that has happened between the last episode, or mini-skit in this case for this episode, and now. So, I will start this episode, I think. So recently we had patch 4.56 come out, of course. With that came some new main scenario, a little bit of new content, and... You know, to, to put it very simply, overall, in my opinion at least, I know there are going to be people out there who really, really like Stormblood. In my opinion, Stormblood, and especially the ending, was a giant bust. Now that said though, even though the main scenario didn't quite suit my fancy, I did like a lot of the optional content that came out. Namely, of course, the very first thing that I did with Scoot was go ahead and do the new Manderville questline, and I got that dance. The Manderville Mambo. So what I did initially was I took one look at it and I said, you know, I think that this dance would go great with all that jazz, and I went and I took a listen to that song, and it fit absolutely perfectly, so I made a video with that. But what was really interesting about it was that there was a lot of detail that I noticed put into that emote as opposed to some other emotes that have been coming out recently. There have been a lot of emotes on the Mog Station recently, don't you think? Between, between all of the seasonal event items and now the new dances of the Popoto Step and uh, Get Fantasy, I think, is the new one. Yeah. Yeah, the Manderville Mambo actually had a lot more detail than what we had seen recently, which is a nice surprise because some of the outfits that we see within the game are either completely ugly, like, you know, and I'm probably going to upset some people, but like what I think the new outfit was. Oh. While Mog Station is getting all these cute outfits, what do we get from main scenario? Dark, covers up face, no visor. We got a death metal uniform. It was, it was, that was the first thing I thought. I was like, are we going to get a death metal track in, in Shadowbringers? Because that's, I, I feel like oh, I, I need to like be doing screaming vocals right now. Yeah. And it seems like, and maybe this is just a commentary on microtransactions really, but it seems like every time I go to the FF14 launcher, I see something or other about Mog Station sale. Now announcing new items on the Mog Station. Get the emote here. Buy this, buy that. It's like when we pay a subscription for all that we do, um, and then we get all of these items pushed on us. And I mean, yes, a lot of these, for the most part, are cosmetic items, with the exception of perhaps jump potions, um, which 
in themselves are both good and bad, um, at least in my eyes. It's, it's kind of nice that we saw at least one emote that had a lot of detail put into it, so I was very glad to get the Manderville Mambo, and I hope that they continue to put in as much effort on um, new things in the future, because honestly, like, let, let, me, let me be honest here, I think I would be a lot happier if the Fat Cat mount had been free, as opposed to making it a Mog Station item. Very true, but what kind of quest would involve that? Hmm, I don't know. It could be a silly side quest. I mean, I guess one response would be that to put it in the game, they have to write quests around it, and that's resource time. That's development time. Whereas if you put it on the Mog Station, you don't have to give any explanation. You don't have to write a quest. You just put it there. It's true. That's It takes up a lot less resources to do that. And I'm not entirely sure if it's a different team working on the Mog Station items or if it's if it's just, you know, something completely different, it's it's part business decision and it's also, you know, just part looking at it from a consumer standpoint and seeing all of the microtransactions that are being suggested. Not necessarily pushed, though, which is nice because I know there are a lot of games out there that are like, either you grind for hours and hours and hours to get this item or you can buy it. So I'm kind of glad that some items, for example, are like that. Um, the seasonal items I do wish you could get again, because they already made a quest line for it, but they just say, no, you have to be around for this one year or you can buy it. But at least it, it doesn't affect progression in any way, with the exception of the jump potions. Yeah, it's a pretty good system. It's a decent system compared to others. Yeah. There's nothing that, say, is available on the Mog Station and in-game. With the exception of... At the same time. At the, at same, the same time. time. With the exception of seasonal items, but there's always that one-year delay. So it's not like people feel like they're forced to grind because they don't have the extra $18. But then again... Except for jump potions. Except for jump potions. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. That's, then you don't have to level grind. I mean, it's it's good on the one hand, and it's it's kind of a nuisance on the other. It's like it's not getting in the way, per se, of endgame progression, but it is a jump and it does help for people who have, you know, done this, done the main scenario quest like we talked about earlier in an, in an earlier episode way, way back. You know, it's it's nice not to have to grind and do the Titan quests a bajillion times. <laughs> oh, yeah. Anyway, so all this all this digression aside, though, long story short, Manderville Mambo is really cool. If you haven't done your Manderville quest, your Hildevand quests. You should, just because they're so silly. And uh, while you're at it, say hi to Greg for me. <laughs> yes, the namesake of our server. <laughs> yes. I had a thought earlier. You said that the Mog Station doesn't affect endgame, but what if Glamour is your true endgame? Well, <laughs> then we're kind of getting into salt territory. <laughs> Thankfully, it's not my true endgame, though. Yeah, I tend to wait until things are on sale. For me, it's it's like I'll get them if I want them badly enough, but there are definitely some items that I can wait until they're on sale for. For sure. Now, my story for this week relates back to the issue of privacy. Oh, man. <laughs> now, we know it's all about knowing what's being shared of yours and not being shared. It just so happens that I share with Emmy a folder in my note program, Evernote, that contains all of my roleplay, all of my fanfiction, anything related to FF14 or creative writing at all. And that includes, for example, the scripts that we were working on for the Operation Archon audio skit. 
Yeah. Just to give some context. So it's useful. And it saves me having to constantly share individual links every time I want to show or something, which is often. But like I said, this is my personal RP corner. And occasionally, you know, my character Natsuki being an adult sometimes engages in adult activities, let's say. Scandalous. Scandalous. I know we're not supposed to talk about ERP. Well, who knows? We may end up making an ERP episode one day. I'm not sure. <laughs> anyway, we, we don't want to talk about ERP in a way that is not safe for work. Yes. But this particular content was not safe for work and not safe for Emmy. Oh, no, it definitely was not safe for me. <laughs> and I saw it. <laughs> yeah. And of course, I didn't mind because I know that she can see everything in there. And my response is like, well... That's what you get <laughs> for snooping. And I said, oh, man, I wish I had not seen it. I am going to promptly forget about it. Yeah, that's what you get for checking my folder. Shrug. That's true. Well, I had to. I had no choice. I needed <laughs> to see those scripts. Anyway, so so moral of the story here, I guess on my end, is I'm not going to share what went on in those, in those stories. Because I don't think that that would be something that the people involved would want to have get out. Exactly. So we're following our own advice. We'll just tease everybody a little bit. Also, uh, don't ever let Scoot into your house when that <laughs> stuff is going on. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, easy, it's easy to get him out. It's easy to convince him that you're not doing what you're actually doing. But yeah, lock your house. <laughs> <laughs> Change your estate settings temporarily. Change your estate settings because otherwise there is... Well, Scoot doesn't go looking, but if he's friends with you and he happens to come over... He may get concerned. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that's all that I'm going to say, because otherwise we're going to go into Dirty Thoughts territory. Oh, dear. Okay. Yeah, we'll end that story there then. <laughs> <laughs> so I believe that concludes our episode for today. <laughs> of course, if you would like to listen to more episodes, you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and Google Play. We're in so many places now. Oh, my goodness. You can also find us on social media if you'd like to interact with us. You can subscribe, share, follow us on Tumblr. Our website is hosted through Tumblr, MusecastXIV.com. You can also find us on Facebook at MusecastXIV or on Twitter at MusecastXIV. We are very creative with our naming conventions. Yes, very consistent. You can also find us streaming from time to time on Twitch. Our Twitch channel is twitch.tv slash MusecastXIV. And you can also find us on Discord and join in the conversation there. We've got roleplay help. We talk about the main scenario, spoilers. Uh, we talk about really all sorts of things FF14, roleplay included, of course. So you can find that on our webpage, musecastxiv.com, and there will be a link to our Discord there. And if you like what you heard and you would like to support us in some way, you can do that in one of three ways. You can find us on Patreon, where for a monthly donation, you can get access to things like bonus content, so things that we wanted to talk about on the show but just didn't get the time to talk about. You can also get access to episodes 24 hours before they come out, which I always think is super cool. And you can also make a donation to us on PayPal. PayPal is a one-time donation, but regardless of how you support us, we'll be very, very thankful either way. To donate to us, just go to our website, go to the right side of the page, and click on the shiny blue buttons. And you can also support us on Twitch by Twitch subs, donating bits, and all that. 
If you don't need to Twitch, it goes more toward our Twitch streaming efforts, not so much the podcast itself. So just keep that in mind as you go through all of our social media and so on. So before we wrap up for today, this episode of MuseCast 14 was brought to you by all our Patreon donors, including Nikolos Kalinachenko, also known as Kuroyumi Miyumi of Gilgamesh, and was sponsored with love from our MuseCast sponsor, Hershey. You can find her on social media, including her Twitter at Hershnafersh, that's at H-E-R-S-H-N-I-F-E-R-S-H, or check out her FF14 and variety stream at twitch.tv forward slash Hershnafersh. Same thing there, H-E-R-S-H-N-I-F-E-R-S-H. Yes. Thank you, Hershey. Yes, I recommend it. I've been watching her play Baldizian Arsenal because I'm never going to play Baldizian Arsenal. I'm not that hardcore. <laughs> I'm so jealous. I'm working on Baldizian Arsenal right now, but it's taking me forever to level up. <laughs> I'll get the Eureka weapon, but as far as going into the dungeon, I don't know. Maybe someday. That Ozma mount, though. Yeah. Yeah. It's so hard to get a group together. And it's not like you can do a practice run every time you die. You have to re-level up. So you got to have a lot of time on your hands. But that aside, thank you, patrons. You're lovely. Indeed. So for our next episode, we thought that we would kind of build up on this privacy idea. And we wanted to talk about the most public of events, which are open-world roleplay events. Some events take place in the open world on a small scale, some on a large scale. So we're going to talk about especially that large scale of events and how to try and manage privacy and personal space during those big open world events. By the open world, we mean the cities. Combat areas, basically places outside of housing that are open for anybody to visit. Yeah, where all the normies hang out. Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking forward to that. I hope you are too, listeners. But until then, happy adventuring, and we'll see you next time. Yep, see you next time. Thanks for listening to MuseCast 14. Tune in next time when we'll be discussing open-world events. Happy adventuring, and may you ever walk in the light of the crystal.